when I was shopping today, I saw like the bag of croutons and it said restaurant style. And I just had this Charlie Day moment from It's Always Sunny, just imagining me at a restaurant. <laughs> just like, ordering croutons. Order, ordering. <laughs> What's their market catch of the day for uh, croutons? No, uh, Jackson and I are building your like online dating profile and you're like, what 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 foods do you like? Oh, I like croutons. Like as a meal? No, no, she'll she'll know what it means. Everybody has their after school snacks. Speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. I see you now about the fall time, baby, but you know that I got nothing to say. It's a charming look on your face When you're rising by something I just can't do now I've been around and by your heart I'm looking for you just to shed some light on my day Feels like ages since I've been on your way I've been caught up with a handful of new sensations folks welcome to another episode of roxy fever i'm your host jackson mcdonald me that dot that jackson mcdonald i am your host jackson mcdonald uh joining jackson me once McDonald. again jackson mcdonald uh i'm bias mcdonald and i'm elliot Hoyt. <laughs> let's get us back on track sorry i was doing the bias thing and interrupted <laughs> no it's okay i was trying to do the intro slightly differently because i noticed that i i always go with me as always which is not true um that is has especially not been true lately. So I wanted to change it up. And then while I was trying to change it up, I accidentally called myself Jackson McDonnelly. It is the evening of Sunday, May the 16th. We are about to sit down and watch a completely pointless game, <laughs> utterly meaningless between the uh, Canucks and Flames. It's, uh, it's funny that we're going to be talking about probably it, between this episode and the Heritage Minute that we're about to do uh, afterwards, probably the darkest set of topics that we've ever talked about for the show, because mm-hmm. I'm actually in quite a good mood. I just booked my vaccine. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. What day What day do you got? You got 29th, too? No, I got the 31st. Uh, Rachel, uh, it's still good, though, man. Yeah, no, it's great. I'll be I'll be uh, jabbed by the end of the month. It's perfect. How about you, Elliot? I'm on the 22nd. Hell yeah. Wow. So Soon. next Saturday. Yeah. Wow. That right. Uh, 29th for me. Yeah. I don't know. I, just, I, I don't even know how to be excited about this shit, even though. Do you know what I'm excited about Vios? This what? is cute. Our listeners will think this is very cute. Uh-huh. So Rachel and I were talking about, we were having a bad day re- recently and she was like, okay, self-care exercise or whatever. Right. Uh, and she was like, talk, let's talk about like what we're excited to do. That that's like feasible in the short term. And mm-hmm. I completely fucking blanked. Like, I was just like, oh, well, I really want to do. And then I thought about it and I'm like, ah, uh, I don't. Because the first thing I always think of is shows. I want to be at a show. Mm-hmm. But I don't mm-hmm. know how that feels like. That still feels quite far away. Yeah. yeah. Other stuff yeah. doesn't feel See, that. For me, that doesn't feel that far away because, like, I finally started looking at, like, ads for shows. Sure. Because there's some postings for shows that are in, like, September or October or whatever. That's like. I would buy a ticket to a show then, especially if it's something I don't care about because it'd be like, whatever, it's 20 bucks. I'm going to go to so many shows. For bands that I've heard of, I've heard the name of this band, I will go see you live. I don't care anymore. Never heard of or who I already think suck. Like I'm I so will. excited to take yeah. advantage of that. I'm so excited to take <laughs> yeah. advantage you of like, the be first, first year show. where people are just going to shit. And I'm just hope to like, really, you know, like seize that or whatever. But um, yeah, we were, we were talking about what we're going to do. And I just kept blanking on shit because I just kept being like, 
ah, it might still be a while to like, and, and like one thing that I was excited about was to uh, like go see a movie. I miss movie theaters. Uh, it's also like, that's not high up the, when I've just been locked in a room watching movies for a year. It's not that high up the list. Yeah. But you know what I realized? You know what was the thing I finally landed upon was once we're both vaccinated, a thing that I'm really excited about is for Vios to come over to my house Aww. and play video games and, <laughs> and watch a movie with me because Vios, you're one of you're one of the only people in my life who also thinks it is acceptable to do analysis of the movie while you're watching the movie <laughs> with someone, which is like very annoying to most people. <laughs> Depends on the movie. It was Midsummer when we did it. That's right. right? Yeah. And it was fun. Oh, Midsummer would piss some people off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like right before the pandemic, maybe not right before the pandemic. I feel like the first eight months before the pandemic was right before the pandemic. I came over on like 9 a.m. on a Thursday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's great. Because <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't have class that day. That's and right. Yeah. We had a day off. And <laughs> just in the morning, Rachel's at work and we're just watching this movie. I dropped you off at a Wendy's or something That's after right, yeah. on my way to class. Um, I really just want to, because the game's on right now, mm-hmm. I haven't watched the anthems in ever because uh, the person I watch hockey with, when we when we watch it, we turn we mute it until the game starts. I love that. I love that. I love this is why I love this person. This. <laughs> yeah, my, my, the only other person I know who does that is my dad. Uh, rocks. <laughs> that rips. <laughs> yeah. now, now, when they pan to the players who are like, you know, standing and during the anthem, I would I would love to like keep track of which players close their eyes during it. Yeah. <laughs> which players like including like Zach McEwen, who I think was just like like this, just like eyes open, just kind of Looking waiting around. for it. We're just yeah, waiting just for waiting it to be for over. It to like, be over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, about to start right. my job. Like, can I please I it would rock if there were other jobs where you had to like sing the national anthem before you start. <laughs> um so there isn't really a lot of uh, Canucks news to talk about because we're just sort of like waiting for the season to end for them so that... Uh, well, actually, Will Lockwood has scored two goals, so... Yeah, I know. It's uh, Matthew Highmore, right? Yeah, sure. I don't know what I said. Carol Koltsov is on a two-game yeah, no, point streak. It's, it's Matthew Highmore. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen like a, an organization try to will a player into scoring goals as much as I've seen them do with Matthew Highmore. But it's just really funny to see like a guy who just absolutely like did nothing to deserve that spot. Just be just watching the coaching staff, you know, will him into being a contributor has been kind of funny, but yeah, the, the, the really the only new piece of news to discuss is, you know, basically the prospect of the front office, either a turnover happening or someone being added in. I think one thing that's been sort of funny is like just watching the uh, media try to uh, determine how to talk about the, the front office because it's just so clear that it's radio silence in terms of, in terms of what's going to happen. And like, I don't know if you guys caught on the broadcast a few uh, days ago, but like Murph started talking about it. You just saw him like, (laughs) <laughs> shrug and visibly go like it just sort of seems as though uh there's not really any news like like sort of like you could just see him being like i'm trying really hard to find the most polite way to say this there's just no one has any idea what's happening i don't even think they know what's happening 
I've always been curious about the way that I, I see that insiders will talk about this kind of stuff too, where once it seems like they're allowed to talk about something, then they'll finally go full tilt and say something. Absolutely. Whereas yeah. Up until that point, they're like, no, you can't say that. You, you can't talk. You can't judge management in this way. You got to give them some credit. And then as soon as the timeline is like, gives them permission to, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say names one, because I don't want to get them in trouble and two, because I forgot. Yeah, totally. um, who they are. <laughs> yeah. um, but they suddenly are like, yeah, team firebending kind of thing, you know, or, or, or like, but not actually not even support, not even endorsing the firing of them, but like already moving past the point of being like, so they're going to get fired and they should get fired. Yeah, totally. What's going to happen now? And, and it's like, where were you in that conversation in the middle? Like, I understand yeah, why. But it's, but a, it's, but it's a strange, it's been a strange, uh, it's been a strange dynamic to watch because you can tell that some people seem pretty confident that he's going to be gone, but others are not confident at all. Yeah, so sure. um, all of this is a very roundabout way of saying that there's a new rumored uh, person to be coming in in some sort of role, possibly an advisory role, possibly president of hockey operations. Basically, Jeff Courtnall's name is out. Oh, there. Jeff. Oh, I thought it was goof. <laughs> Go on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> More like okay. Goof Cordall, am I right, folks? Because uh, I don't want this guy to be a uh, general manager or uh, whatever else. He is a very good left wing in NHL 94. Um, very strong on the penalty kill. Not as efficient on the power plays I would like. He's very good on either first or checking lines. As an actual human being, though, he's absolute garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Which I recently found out. I recently yeah, found out he wasn't, it wasn't just a video game character. Yeah, there are a couple things I want to get out about this. Um, the first is is from a strictly like uh, practical sense, I guess. Hearing Jeff Cortnall's name out there in the ether to me is like maybe like the best evidence that Francesco has had his fingerprints all over hockey operations for like most of the past eight or so years because like when you hear like the name of like some guy who's been close to francesco and advising him for for like half a decade it's it's or for like over a decade is it's basically like hearing you know that the deep state is involved in something like it's <laughs> like jeff Cortnall is the canucks version of the deep state okay um i think it's a good time for me to go what is going on here so i didn't know about the francesco thing yeah so jeff cordon what's he been doing for the last 20 years 20 30 years since 94 uh flash the last owning years. a mine apparently. Oh, <laughs> like great. like yeah uh i i need to do a little bit more digging on jeff Cortnall, but nothing good from what i've heard i think that guy does enough digging himself huh <laughs> yeah because he owns mine i think <laughs> don't quote me on any of this because i didn't do any i did research on uh the chicago blackhawks and steve moore for the last like 48 hours <laughs> i did not do any research on jeff Cortnall, but uh the biggest um well the the uh, and then another thing from a uh, from a in terms of uh, practical considerations, it's just like enough with the '94 team guys. 
It's done. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's hire mm-hmm. people who are. Let's get Victor Oreskovich, the general manager. <laughs> yeah. He has a financial if... background. <laughs> he knows. He knows money. If we're gonna hire a former player, like, can't we just at least promote Ryan Johnson or something? Like, can't it at least be somebody who has done this before? Not just some guy that you like talk to over coffee about what you should be. It's just again, it just goes back to the whole like, let's do NHL 14 in real life thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it just, I've, I've talked about this on the show before and obviously I don't like have any hard evidence or whatever, but I just feel like when you watch the way the story has unfolded in the media, it's just so clear now that like you can, you can pretty much trace what the Canucks are doing to what mood Francesco is in that week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The last guy he talked to. Exactly. Yeah. The whole whole Trump thing, which is not just a Trump thing. It's a wealthy dumb guy thing. Donald Trump types are a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. If you've, if you've met wealthy people who are new money, uh, not to say that they are worse than old money, no. uh, but this is how they think. Yes. The American and Canadian ruling class is just like littered with hundreds of mini Donald Trumps that just don't have the charisma or the mm-hmm. gift for like manipulation that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so like, like the, that's, that was the thing that the actual thing that was unique about Donald Trump was a, his charisma and B his celebrity. And that's why like he was successful as opposed to like a, a million of these other like rich dipshits to try to run for office or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah. And then, so there's all of those things. And then the final obvious thing that um, has been talked about a bit online content warning for um the following here i i really don't like to come in to my my studio quote unquote every week and have to talk about rape on my hockey podcast i don't want to do that like i I just want to stress that like i'm not bringing this up because it's like fun or because i'm trying to stir shit i'm bringing it up because i think people should know that jeff courtnall uh, was involved in a, uh, what, you know, the, like a credible um, accusation of sexual assault of a 17-year-old girl with three other of his teammates. Uh, Dino Cicerelli and Scott Stevens were two of them. I don't remember the third. This happened back in the, like, uh, I think- 1990. The, the early 90s, yeah. Um, it, was, it, it was a very bad situation. I'm not going to go over all the details because it's not nice. Um, but it was a very bad situation and there's a lot of, there were multiple people who were willing to, who were willing to testify, uh, their own teammate testified, Nick Kiprios actually. Um, So it's, this isn't like, uh, there's smoke is what I'm saying here. This is a, this is like a very. For another hockey player to come out and point the finger at an hockey player. Exactly. It's not a thing that happens very often. So, um, it, it, uh, yeah, it's it's very credible and it's it's very sad. And, um, I, you know, I, I I did when I brought it up online, I did have some people like, you know, as there's always just any time you talk about anything like this, there's just it's like people search for it or something like they have nothing better to do. There's always two or three idiots. But like, um, you know, saying that I don't that I think this dude who owns a mine and is rich beyond his wildest dreams from playing in the NHL for like you know, over 10 years saying that I don't think he should be the head of a hockey team is not canceling him. I don't want him to do that. That's all I said. If you, if you think you shouldn't say that somebody 
denying that or like telling Jackson that that's cancel culture is in itself. That's fucking cancel culture. Yeah, exactly. It's literally the thing that it's the thing that they accuse people of doing of silencing people, you know, and I'm just I'm like, I'm not a silencing person. Say whatever you want. I'm going to say whatever I want. Jackson has a podcast. Yeah, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, exactly. It's it's who do you think has power in a situation where there's like a guy who who who's a line cook and has a podcast (laughs) and like the second richest player for the third richest player from the 94 Canucks. Like, come on. So, I mean, we've brought it up before. Former players can stick in the coaching staff. I think, you know, like I, I, I don't think we need to be hiring them to run uh, like businesses. Um, Although, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, Jeff does have the experience uh, running a mine. So he pro- I'm sure him and Francesco uh, get along just great. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, um, theme theme of today's episode is player safety because. Um, oh yeah. The if there's one topic that uh, ties through all of the stuff that we're going to talk about, it's that we we have another thing coming up a little bit later in the episode, and then this Jeff Cortnall thing as well. Like, just goes to show you the the kind of people that are. Uh, around every day and uh in nhl front offices and and locker rooms and all of that so um we'll be revisiting this in a moment but first i think we should kick it over to an interview we did earlier in the week with the one and only daniel wagner following up on the tom wilson stuff and the department of player safety so hopefully you guys enjoy it let's kick it over to daniel wagner of pasitabulas joining us now you know him as the man behind Pasitabulis. It's your friend and mine, Daniel Wagner. Wags, how's it going? That's going pretty good. Uh, my arm is very sore from getting vaccinated, but other than that, pretty good. Yeah, how are you feeling? Congrats. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly fatigued. <laughs> I, I ended up uh, crashing after I did some did some work after getting back from getting vaccinated. And then I just felt very tired and I laid down and suddenly... Uh, like hours had passed and I woke up and I was like, Oh, Oh my goodness. What just happened? So I don't know if that was actually the vaccination or just I'm exhausted from everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the general existence. <laughs> my know, favorite kind of uh, game to play recently has been like, am I having a mental health uh, crisis or does this just suck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it mm-hmm. just the pandemic? <laughs> Oh, yes. I've been playing that game myself for, for quite some time. What I'm done with, like, am I coughing because I don't, don't know how to wear a mask or do I have coronavirus? But The, the reason we decided to uh, have Daniel on this week specifically is because, Daniel, you just wrote an article for uh, Vancouver is Awesome. Could you do, I, I don't remember the exact title of it. Can you remind me? The exact headline I gave it was, their decision on Tom Wilson shows it's time to abolish the NHL's Department of Player Safety. So I think the obvious place to start there is... If someone's running me, who am I going to call? <laughs> Abolish the Department of Players. That's just a slogan, right? You don't literally mean that. <laughs> no, I literally mean that. Yes, it, I mean, there, it is what? a loaded term. I understand. <laughs> I understand it's a loaded term. Oh, I didn't expect that one coming. No. Yeah, it, I, I mean it. I mean it. It's time to abolish the NHL's Department of Player Safety. And like ICE, it's a recent invention. So <laughs> yeah. 
you know, like it's not actually that big a deal to get rid of it. Um, Very very good analogy. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I was going to say, do you have that article already written basically that you, you've just been waiting to use or, cause it came out so quick and it just really (laughs) felt like. No. Well, here's the thing. I I've been, on the uh, the NHL Department of Player Safety is an embarrassment to the league beat for quite some time. Mm. Uh, I think I first wrote about it back in 2018 um, when Troy Stetcher got a headshot and the uh, Danik Martell was the guy who who delivered the hit, didn't get suspended at all. And so I, I kind of went off on the Department of Player Safety and George Peros back then and I've written several articles since. So this was just kind of the culmination of, of something that's been brewing for some time. Yeah, I, I honestly believe that the NHL's Department of Player Safety does not serve its purpose. The, uh, the idea that it's called the Department of Player Safety is basically straight out of 1984. Uh, <laughs> and not in the sense that a lot of people use it these days, but like actually 1984 as in player safety is not the intention of that department at all Mm. um so it's very orwellian named so yeah i've been i've been on this for quite some time and i honestly think that there is a better way to handle suspensions and fines in the nhl and this isn't it one thing that you landed on that i remember being discussed a couple of years ago but i guess it didn't really click at the time is George Peros's other uh, business venture, aside from being the head of um, of play of the Department of Player Safety, do you mind taking us through um, how that factors into um, to your policy proposal, your bold <laughs> policy proposal to abolish the Department of Player Safety? Sure, and I will say this: um, I it's my understanding that George Peros no longer has a stake in this company that I'm going to talk about, but. Uh, George Peros owned a clothing line called Violent Gentleman that basically glorifies violence in hockey. Uh, it even included like a Donald Trump inspired line of like hats and t-shirts and bumper stickers with the slogan, make hockey violent again. Oh. Um, so it, it's rather troubling that this is the person the NHL tagged to head the department of player safety. This is a, a person who literally profited off of violence in hockey, not just as a player, as he was an enforcer. And so violence was part of his role as a player in the NHL, but as a businessman after he left the NHL, that he literally profited off of violence in hockey. He glorified violence in hockey. And now he's supposed to be the one who is curbing violence in hockey. It it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's what's really troubling to me is that the NHL and this is why like abolishing the department of player safety is what I'm calling for and not just changing the people involved. It's that the NHL put this person in charge of the department of player safety. It's a systemic issue is what I'm saying is that there, there, the NHL wants violence in hockey. So they put someone in charge of the department of player safety who would allow for that violence to exist and allow it to a degree that it would uh, it's dangerous to the players so yeah and we see attempts to reform the dops too with brandon shanahan when he was in charge of it well he actually founded it he he he's the one who created it 
Um, and when Brendan right, Shannon- was taking an existing function. Sure, but what had happened previously is it was just like handled by uh, people in the NHL front office. There wasn't like a separate department that was focused hmm. on this, that provided transparency, that was open about what they right. were doing. So when Brendan Shanahan uh, joined the NHL's front office, this was one of his ventures. He started the Department of Player Safety. He started uh, really trying to get rid of uh, hits to the head, uh, boarding hits from behind, all these things that were very dangerous to, uh, to people's heads and brains, things that cause brain injuries. And But right from day one, he was basically cut off at the knees. Um, so he came in and if you, I don't know if you remember, this was back in 2011, the 2011, 2012 season was when this started. And Brendan Shanahan in the preseason just started like throwing around suspensions for hits from behind and boarding five games here, 10 games there, just beyond what had ever been handed out. That's when like NHL. those jokes were coming out about Brendan Shanahan's like wheel right the wheel of well, no that came later that came later because when oh. he first was handing out these suspensions like they made sense and mm, they yeah. had these these great video explainers these like going into those. detail of why we're giving out a suspension of five games for this hit from behind or this guy's getting 10 games for this hit to the head uh, but what happened was the nhl gms complained to the league they basically they complained to Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and said that they were unhappy with the length of these suspensions. And you saw like immediately after the suspensions started getting more, they started getting shorter. They started getting more random. And that's when you started getting the wheel of, you know, the wheel of discipline where it's like, we don't know how many games a suspension is going to get. We, we, we don't know what is going to happen. But prior to that, when he was first starting it out, they made sense. They were harsh, but they made sense. And the NHL GMs basically cut off all of his uh, all of his authority by going over his head to Bettman and Daly. And so he eventually left. <laughs> and I, I think that, you know, maybe he was maybe he was just done with that role and wanted to get back into the team side of things. But maybe it was also that he didn't have the authority he wanted to have to make the changes he wanted. Again, because it's a systemic issue, you can't have this disciplinary board, this disciplinary function within the league structure, because then the league will just, uh, they'll do what they want, what they think is best for their business, rather Hmm. than what is best in the interests of the players and in the interests of players, in the interests of player safety. What would you suggest as an alternative then? Uh, Well, what I suggested in the article is that you need something independent Um, and you can have former players on some sort of advisory board for it. But I think you have to have lawyers involved. You have to have independent. Yeah, you have to have like an independent uh, function where the NHL can't go over their heads and get rid of those things. It needs to be disbanded and rebuilt from the ground up. So you have independent arbitrators and consultants to make these decisions on fines and suspensions. And if general managers don't like it too bad, the players can go through the NHLPA, I would say to like appeal suspensions, but it has to be independent instead. So often like any appeals on suspensions, they go to Gary Bettman and Gary Bettman decides and Bettman works for the owners, you know, like this, this is, it's, it's a completely flawed system. Further, further to that, do you know of any examples of similar types of bodies that would work? 
I honestly uh, don't work elsewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I honestly don't. I, I, I'm, I get the feeling that most leagues want to have this kind of function within their league structure mm-hmm. because they want to have control over it. And it's completely understandable why they would want to have that control. Mm-hmm. My argument is that it's not in the best interests of the players as a whole. It may maybe in the best interests of a guy like Tom Wilson, who, you know, can play the way he wants to play, can uh, get away with uh, attempted murder, if you want to put it <laughs> as strong as I don't, possible. I don't think I it's, mean... it's only slightly too strong. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a step too far. Maybe I'm, I'm going a little I mean, too players far. Players have been charged for that before, if we're honest. Well, maybe not exactly that, but, you know. Well, you know, when, when you look at what Tom Wilson did to Artemi Panarin, that is incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Panarin with no helmet on, he he cut off his leg and pulled his hair and threw him down. He could have landed head first on the ice and the ice is hard. Like it's a head makes contact with the ice and that could literally be deadly. Mm -hmm. So as much as, as much as it's like, you know, kind of a joke to say, Oh, it's attempted murder. It's like, no, but it's incredibly reckless and could have caused a very serious injury. Maybe not 19 times out of 20. Would somebody die from that similar exact circumstance but like i think like 12 out of 20 or something or like no it's, it's a pretty it's like, high proportion of people who could get who could uh, their like careers are reckless and the thing is it's not even a hockey it's not a hockey play like when, when a guy gets blown up going across center ice and it's a late hit fine i understand it's a, it's a fast game shit happens whatever but like when the shit that's not even hockey is what's causing injuries who cares why and, is this and that here? that phrase not a hockey play I know that's incredibly loaded. But... Well, no, but it came out in a suspension that the, 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 that the Department of Player Safety gave out to the Canucks. Yeah. Zach McEwen, when he uh, need, uh, who was it? Darnell Nurse. He gave Darnell Nurse a little, a little shot with his knee as he skated by him while he was on the ice. And the thing is, that suspension for one game is something that I completely would agree with if that was the standard. Absolutely. If yeah, absolutely. reckless and stupid was always a suspension it would be fine but that's never the standard except it is like one time in 20 so everyone feels like it's only against our team right Mm. so but the the fact that they so emphasized this is not a hockey play and if you listen to that suspension video like they're like incensed like how dare he do this (laughs) i'm like oh come on guys do things like that all the time going back to the bench they give each other a little shot away from the play it's just it looked worse because nurse was on the ground and it was a knee that maybe made contact with his head okay sure give him a suspension i'm fine with that but when you say this is not a hockey play and you don't suspend tom wilson for throwing panarin head first to the ice <laughs> you're saying mm-hmm. that is a hockey play mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it almost calls back to the thing before the Wheel of Justice that you brought up, Yoss, but the flow chart of justice, which is an old Congress <laughs> Brown yes. bit, which yes. was, is this a hit by a nobody on a star player guaranteed suspension? And yeah. Nurse is a star player on a playoff bound team and Zach McEwen's a fourth liner on a out of the playoffs team. Well, you even look at that exact situation. Nurse went back at him on a later shift after the whistle and repeatedly cross-checked him and punched him in in the chest like trying to get on his uh under his skin but again you're saying okay that is a hockey play then a guy can after the whistle throw a bunch of cross checks to the ribs which can also cause injury 
And that is, that's fine. And then they can have a fight later on where they both drop the gloves and nurse can grab him by the leg and do a one leg MMA style takedown on a guy without a helmet again, which could cause his head to hit the ice and cause a serious head injury. That is a hockey play then, you know, that's the issue is this hypocrisy of what is and isn't a hockey play. And the fact that the person in charge of the department of player safety literally profited off of violence in hockey. And he's the one in charge of policing this it's nonsense. And like you even look at what he said when he joined the department of player safety, I've I've got this quote here. Um, He said, we used to be worried about headhunting and major things like that. Now we're worried about slashing and some more minor infractions, you might say. So the game's in a good place. There doesn't need to be a huge shakeup or a huge change in philosophy. Are you kidding me? Wow. You're saying that headhunting and like hits from behind, things that could cause serious <sighs> brain injuries, you're not worried about those things anymore? Those things are not in the game anymore? Yes, they are. They absolutely are. Like, Even look at Justin Bailey this season. He got knocked out for the entire season on a hit from behind by Milan Lucic. No suspension there. There's And I had someone send me a series of hits that were exactly the same. Hits from behind, directly in the numbers, headfirst into the boards, no suspensions. And Mm -hmm. that's been going on all season. But George Peros sees that and goes, well, that's not that big, big a deal. That doesn't matter. And then they've got Ray Whitney. Ray Whitney is also with the Department of Player Safety. And he's a former skilled player. So they advertise this. So we've got George Peros. He's the enforcer. We've got Ray Whitney, the wizard. He's the skilled player. And they're going to provide balance. But no, what he said in an article uh, this year, a lot of times and more often than not, I put the onus on the guys getting contact and getting hit. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that that was a money quote. So like... He said, I grew up in an era that was pretty tough. I received a lot. I wasn't giving a lot. So I really take pride in putting the onus on skill players to be able to take contact and be prepared for contact to expect to be hit. They should make the smallest person in the NHL and youngest person in the NHL be the head of player safety. <laughs> Niels Oaklander should be <laughs> head of player safety. But it's like Ray Whitney, like he he bragged in this article from February that he never had a single shoulder injury in his career because he knew how to take a hit from behind. Like this was actually what he said. And meanwhile, Justin Bailey got hit from behind, suffered a season ending shoulder injury. It's like, thanks, Ray Whitney. I don't care that you didn't get a shoulder injury. Justin Bailey did. And you didn't suspend Milan Lucic, who gave him the shoulder injury. What are you doing? It's very like it's very gross to immediately jump to guy gets hit in the numbers what did he do wrong because mm-hmm. I, I i i will i will just to in the for the sake of fairness i will say that like i understand when a sort of more old-time hockey type person might say to me look you can't you know turn away at the last second into the boards or whatever uh, and that is a thing that by my eyes, it doesn't seem to happen as often as everyone seems to think it happens, but it does happen. It's a very sometimes. convenient excuse, and no one's going to do it because no one wants to get but injured. That's the thing. It's also way faster now. Who, yeah, who, what sane person is going to be like, ah, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm, I really want this person to hit me in the back and possibly concuss me. 
um, because Ray, that's... Ray Whitney would say that Ray Whitney yeah, literally, I... literally in that article said that he would turn his numbers towards players and get hit in the numbers because if he was up close to the boards and got hit in Ugh. the numbers, it wouldn't hurt. So why does everyone else? It. So why does everyone else have to suffer because you're an idiot? That doesn't yeah. make <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, I, I understand like taking a hit is an important part of hockey being like being prepared for contact. Like we see it with Elias Pettersson. In, in this market in Vancouver, he knows how to take a hit. He, he knows when a hit is coming and he'll hit back, you know, but if a guy is facing the boards and he's facing the boards because the puck is there, you know, let's not pretend like he's facing the boards because he's trying to draw a penalty or something. Most of the time, if a guy's facing the boards, the puck is there and he's trying to win a puck battle or make a play on the puck. And you see guys that see numbers the whole way and then they finish their checks straight through the numbers and nothing happens to them. And, it, and it's like, there have been multiple injuries this season from those kinds of hits, but the department of player safety doesn't care because what they care about is, Oh, if a guy swings a stick at a guy and hits him like in the head, well, that's bad. That's not a hockey play hitting a guy in the numbers head first into the boards. Well, that's a hockey play. So mm-hmm. we can't suspend him because we want hockey to be violent. Yeah. They don't want, Hockey, they don't want plays to happen on the ice that wouldn't look good on a Don Cherry Rock and Sock and video. Whereas, like, <laughs> slashing somebody that looks like against the code. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Right. <clears throat> I like what you brought up uh, way earlier when you mentioned how, like, I didn't know the story about how Brennan Shanahan kind of got his legs cut off by the league and was unable to continue um, with his philosophy of running the OPS. But was it Chris Pronger? who took took over right after like I what is with so. this trend of like that feels like such a rebuke like it's not just okay we're gonna turn down this shanahan approach or we're gonna turn down like actually handing out suspensions for violence that's outside of uh what anybody would probably like prefer in hockey and then no they just go like whole full tilt with that and are like Pol- polar opposite yeah we're gonna get the goons here to really show you like we like we hated what Shanahan did and we <laughs> no, want the goons to run the show. That is really only like one step removed from making Marty McSorley the head of <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I feel like, like, like this is a guy who stepped on a dude's legs with like his skate, you know, like I, <laughs> if McSorley won more cups, he would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like to be fair, like Chris Pronger, obviously an all time great, like he was oh, yeah, a good absolutely. player as yeah. well. But yeah, he was, again, a very violent player and a player who liked the violence in hockey. It did definitely feel like a, a rebuke to the Shanahan approach. Like basically, we're going to take what you created, Shanahan, and make it the exact opposite of what you intended. And again, this is why it needs to be abolished and gotten rid of rather than just go, okay, like the New York Rangers said, you know, George Peros is bad at his job. Get rid of him. Well, that doesn't solve the problem because like, even when they bring in a skilled player, they bring in Ray Whitney who blames the guys getting hit when they get injured. I mean, if you're going to draw a link between George Peros and violent gentlemen, it's also probably pretty pertinent that Ray Whitney is a barstool guy. Isn't that right? 
Is, yeah. Wait, <laughs> what? These are two different guys. Right you're, you're confusing Ray Whitney and Ryan Whitney. Ryan Whitney. Whitney. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. And I was going <laughs> to literally make that joke. Boy, we're we're going to re record this and I'm going to do that so that you don't see <laughs> Everyone it. Right will know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I don't blame you for that, though, because I, I had to triple check that. I had, I, I literally, I double checked it and then I checked it again just to be 100%. No, so, yeah. The first time I heard about Barstool. Okay, Ryan Whitney? <laughs> yes. Ryan. Yeah, open Whitney. up Cap Geek, Elliot. Ray Ray Whitney <laughs> had like something like 900 plus points in his NHL yes. career. Yeah. Was a skilled player. Who did he play for? I don't. Ray I Whitney. He played remember. for a lot of uh, lesser teams, shall we say? He had a great nickname, the Wizard. I remember uh, <laughs> during the lockout, uh, during one of the lockout years, I was writing for the score, and there was nothing to write about because there was a lockout, of course. So I like I wrote like this these. Like basically, it was fan fiction of <laughs> the untold stories of the lockout, and one of them was like a collection of players who were maybe missing their final season of their careers because mm. of the lockout, and they got together at a bar and were commiserating over some beers. And then Ray Whitney shows up, and everybody's like, "Oh, geez, Ray Whitney's here! Ah, oh, crap!" And there's like, "No, no, seriously, guys are gonna miss guys. Guys miss me too." I have a cool nickname. I'm the wizard. And they're like, yeah, you sure are Ray. And just, <laughs> that's, that's hor- awesome. Horribly mean to poor Ray Whitney, who doesn't deserve that. He had, he had a thousand and sixty four points in his NHL career. He was, wow. he was a good player guys. He just happened to play for like Florida and Columbus and Carolina and Phoenix. Mm. And nobody cared. He was a good player, but just not, not a good director of player safety. <laughs> yes. One thing that has been coming up, over the course of the past few episodes is this sort of, it's a trend basically in all media and all entertainment, but it's kind of, um, I think it's becoming more um, explicit, more obvious in the NHL, particularly this season, which is the, um, I guess you would call, you would say like the uh, trend towards chasing uh, engagement rather than entertainment. And the thing that really struck me about the um, the Tom Wilson suspension, or rather the the lack thereof, was that you know my immediate reaction, and it's an emotional one, and I, I will say like I, I this isn't an impulse that I'm proud of, but my my immediate reaction when I um, saw that he didn't get suspended was, oh, I hope somebody takes a run at him at the in the game tomorrow night because. You say you want the players to police the game. So I hope somebody does, because I don't want this guy running around hurting people anymore. And, you know, I went to turn on the game the, uh, you know, a night or two later or whatever it was, you know, the, the next game between the two teams. And just as I was turning it on, I had this thought in my head of like, fuck, this is exactly what they want me to do. The whole point is if you're watching, if you're engaging with the product, then the NHL is able to monetize your outrage too, if you're tuning in. And I, I think um, one thing that, that sort of adds to, to how disgusting the situation is, is that there's kind of no, there's no real way out of it because ultimately at the end of the day, now that you, now in the age of social media, you have a, a product that is, meant to be engaged with rather than just to be entertaining you are you are able to essentially like make a lot of money a lot of revenue catch a lot of eyeballs 
even through hate watching. Like the difference is is purely aesthetic, right? Well, I'll say to that is is that kind of audience and that kind of engagement doesn't last. That would be the main argument against like trying to get that kind of engagement is that people will only hate watch for so long, you know, and, and that game, that game got a lot of traction in the general public. Like it was on Jimmy Fallon, yeah. you know, like they showed clips of that opening line brawl Thanks. on Fallon. Like, <laughs> but all that does is it just reinforces the worst cliches about hockey the, you know, like I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Like those old jokes, you know, that, that, have kept hockey from breaking out in a more mainstream way for decades. All it did was just reinforce that this is what hockey is. It's this ludicrous sport that has line brawls on ice and, and who cares? And, and all of that, like all of that even overshadowed the best part of that game, Mm -hmm. which was TJ Oshie, TJ Oshie getting a hat trick in his first Mm -hmm. game back after the death of his father. Oh, wish I did not know that. Wow. This incredibly emotional story. He, like he has his teammates hugging him and crying on the bench. Like this is an amazing story. Like this is, it, it's, it's both heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. And instead of everybody talking about TJ Oshie and this amazing accomplishment that he goes out and has a hat trick and is, he has the support of his teammates. And this is wonderful. Nobody's talking about that. Everybody's talking about this stupid line brawl and Tom Wilson and, and all of this nonsense, you know, what would have been great is if TJ Oshie getting a hat trick had made mainstream news and had Mm. been on Fallon you know, like that could have been something that would grow the game. And instead you get line brawls on the, and everybody getting this reinforcement of this is what hockey is. And no one's going to tune in again because they go, okay, there's, you know, there was a line brawl. And if you're watching just for a line brawl, guess what? The next game that you watch that doesn't have a line brawl. Oh, well, I guess this is, this is not worth watching. You know, like it, it just feels like, if that's what you're trying to do, if you're trying to get people to watch the games through this, uh, through this method of getting hate, hate watching, or you're trying to get eyes on the game because of fighting, you're not going to create lasting hockey fans. You're just not. Well, it would uh, far be it from the NHL to uh, not have a long-term plan for something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we, we don't see that at all in, uh, in front offices of NHL teams. Oh, and I was going to say too, um, having a, a, a really important, um, you know, emotional moment in your career uh, happen on the same night as a giant violent travesty. That must be hard. I wouldn't know anything about that. Um, yeah. You wouldn't know anything about that in Vancouver. Nothing Definitely familiar about that whatsoever. No, nothing familiar about that. <laughs> Linden and Bertuzzi don't come to mind at all. No, no, not, not the. <laughs> One of my favorite pieces of trivia. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I remember uh, being when I, back when I was an Arcanucks poster in like 20, like 2013 or 14. Um, it was the, the such and such year anniversary of that happening. And somebody just with no additional context, just posted the clip of Linden getting to like taking over the 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 um the points record or whatever just no context with the, with the <laughs> caption like ah oh, it's the 10-year anniversary or whatever you know the such <laughs> anniversary of uh trevor linden passing the and 
no one acknowledged it that all the comments were just like yeah it's also the 10 year anniversary <laughs> of, of something else there is kind of a something a bit more um significant in league history that also happened on this night and the the, the guy who posted it literally had no idea <laughs> that's awesome no idea. this is a hardcore linden so fan. i can't believe you found Beyonce's, uh, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah i'm i'm i i wish there was a clip or i wish i remembered whatever day it was when like you know like a few games after somebody gets that kind of record the team will do the whole thing like a bit of a red carpet at the beginning of the game before the anthems or after the anthems of like here we we've, we've got you a golden stick or you know some shit like that like i would have loved to see like yeah, yeah thanks well <laughs> i mean okay so so i was also looking back uh, at something else uh, this past couple weeks and i rediscovered when wayne gretzky broke gordy howe's uh, all-time goals record oh yeah it was of course against the canucks yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew that actually of course was, of course yeah any any major record especially one from gretzky it was probably yeah. against the canucks but they stopped the game. It like he scored the goal that broke the record in the middle of the second period. And they literally halted the game, rolled out a red carpet and had a ceremony <laughs> in the middle of the game. Holy they shit. They won't do that for Alex Ovechkin. I'm going to bet that they don't do that for him. Mind blowing. Like <laughs> uh, rewatching the clips. It's insane. Like, Wayne Gretzky is still like sweaty and got all his gear on and everything. And he's giving a speech and, <laughs> and the, the video shows Tom Hanks is in the crowd. And it's like, what is going on? That's amazing. It wow. is, it is so that. weird. And I'm just, I'm just picturing them doing that for Linden breaking <laughs> breaking the Canucks points record yeah. like in the middle of this game where Bertuzzi just ended someone's career with one of the worst acts of violence we've ever seen in a hockey game suddenly they stop the game and it's like well Lyndon time for a speech <laughs> that would be <laughs> what have you got to say today that would be so that would be so NHL yeah. though yeah the, <laughs> the poor announcer who had to yeah announce that on the on the I, I will say that I, and I, I kind of, I mentioned this a little bit in um, our last episode. I am significantly uh, less anti-violence in hockey than Daniel is, I would say. Not, um, not, I'm not I wouldn't say that I'm pro-violence um, necessarily. I just, um, I kind of come at it from the angle of what bothers me is injuries, right? So I want to prevent injuries. And I want to, in the, uh, in the interest of preventing injuries, I want to look at plays that cause injuries and try to stop them from happening. And um, I guess what I'm basically getting at here is that I just don't spend a lot of time thinking about uh, fighting necessarily or, um, you know, things like that as, uh, as being the, the be-all, end-all of, um, of uh, you know, preventing injury or particularly preventing head injuries. But... One thing that keeps coming to my mind when um, when we talk about this and we talk about um, the Department of Player Safety and fines and suspensions and all, and all that is the um, Chris Rock bit about bullet control. And everybody talking about gun control. Gotta get rid of the guns. Fuck that, I like guns. You got a gun, you don't have to work out. <laughs> I ain't working out. I ain't jogging. You got pecs? I got pecs. 
God, that shit. You don't need no gun control. You know what you need? We need some bullet control. We need to main, we need to control the bullets. That's right. I think all bullets should cost five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars for a bullet. You know why? Because if a bullet costs five thousand dollars, there'll be no more innocent bystanders. Yeah. Obviously, like both what I am about to say and what uh, Chris Rock said is like that's in jest. But if you are somebody who likes hitting, who likes fighting, who likes physical play, uh, the case I would make to you is that if you increase the you know punishment or fines or whatever whatever it so happens to be for violent plays in hockey it will not completely take the physical element out of the game um, because people still get emotional. People still do stupid things. But uh, one thing that it will do, uh, at least in my opinion, is uh, it will at least make players think twice. And it'll give, give us uh, more moments uh, like that Brandon Prust moment where he said, uh, you know, the best $5,000 I ever spent was uh, spearing Brad Marchand in the groin. <laughs> and I will say, like, I'm not opposed to physicality in hockey <laughs> in the slightest. Yeah, like, absolutely. I love a good hockey hit. One of my favorite uh, favorite moments in Canucks history was a Jan Bulis hip check on Jack Johnson. Hell yeah. It was the, the best, was one, wild. Of the, one of the best hip checks I have ever seen in my life. Um, I, I miss hip checks, man. Can we bring hip checks back, please? Yeah, mm -hmm. that would be wonderful. Like when when the Canucks had Dan Hamhuis and Keith Ballard at the same time, both throwing hip <laughs> checks all the time, I was in heaven. Uh, <laughs> one of the only good things about uh, uh, Tuesday's game between the Canucks and and the Jets was an open ice hit by Tyler Grayovac. Just ran over Andrew Kopp, I believe it was just just nailed him and i'm like i love that that mm -hmm. kind of physical play where you're throwing a hit you're separating a player from the puck you're you're doing something for a purpose and it's clean you know and sometimes there will be injuries from those plays but clean hits absolutely belong in the game the problem is that players are not incentivized to avoid dirty hits they and they keep going up to that line and the line keeps getting moved further and further back and they keep throwing more and more dangerous hits because of course they will it is in their best interests to throw more and more dangerous hits because you can take another player out of the play potentially take them out of the game win the puck and have more space with the puck because you've hit a guy through the numbers into the boards like all of these things are in their best interest if you start pushing that line back and go hey you can't hit guys in the numbers you can't board a guy you can't hit a guy in the head from the blind side you push that line back and the mm -hmm. players will move back we've seen it we've seen how hooking is no longer a thing in comparison to where it was back in the day, people used to water ski behind guys on breakaways. <laughs> yeah. You like, can't even hook in a video game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's like, we've seen like players can change how they play the game. If you force them to, and right now, like the maximum fine is what? $5,000. That's, That's not going to yeah. change anybody. Mm. You know, I, I think John Scott in his reaction to it, has said it, 
said it best. He was like, if nowadays it's fair, like if, if you say that this is okay, what Wilson did to Panarin, that means it's fair game in any scrum. Like mm-hmm. you can go any into any scrum and you see a star player and you start throwing sucker punches and like twisting his ankles, doing whatever you can to injure him because the worst thing that could happen is a $5,000 fine. Mm-hmm. And like you say, you know, $5,000 to take out the opposing team's star player. That's pretty cheap. You know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's worth it every day. You know, Tom Wilson took out Panarin for the rest of the regular season. Now that was only a few games at this point in the season, but you're telling me like next season, someone's not going to look at that and go, well, Hey, maybe I should do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should uh, get in a scrum and bend a guy over backwards and twist his leg and try to cause an injury because they're not going to do anything. I might not even get a fine because they'll go, well, that's hockey. You know, wrestling and scrums happens all the time. So like, you know, if you're going to say like, okay, think twice because you might have to pay a fine for doing this. It can't be a slap on the wrist, like $5,000. That's, that's nothing compared to the salaries these guys make. Daniel. So you wrote the article, I believe before everything went down with uh, Rangers management, correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, after seeing that, what do you like, not rewrite your article, but like, what, what do you think that confirms or adds to the, like zooming out what you know about the department of player safety and, and how the NHL management actually works? Like, what does that tell you? Well, just the fact that, uh, it, the, they made it so clear that management was not on the side of this statement, mm-hmm. like, that that goes back to what I was talking about with Brendan Shanahan, with the general managers going, we don't want long suspensions. We want our players to be able to throw hits and make dangerous plays and be back on the ice the next game, basically. We don't want to lose players for any length of time because that makes our job harder. You know, they they it, it, again, this is an issue across the NHL they don't mind having George Peros in charge of the department of player safety because they like the violence in the game and they don't care that it may cause long-term injuries to players, even star players. What they don't want is one of their players getting suspended for multiple games Mm -hmm. when they're trying to, you know, make the playoffs win games. That's, that's the issue here as because George Peros is part of the system, part of the NHL front office, part of the whole league and not a separate independent arbitrator who makes those decisions. The NHL's happy with the job that he does. They don't care that someone might get hurt. It just, it doesn't matter to them. So for the Rangers uh, ownership to make that statement, they're upset. They think that things need to change but all they're doing is is going get rid of Peros and replace him with who the well, who's the next goon who went to college and is you know <laughs> Kevin Westgarth you know find yourself find yourself another former enforcer who went to an Ivy League school and has a reputation as an intelligent guy you know because mm-hmm. because that's what ah, you're gonna okay. get that that puts Westgarth out then. <laughs> actually I he actually came across as quite uh, cool in the um in the documentary watch we watched it uh, well I you know like maybe maybe that. john scott i feel like the yeah. roxy fever position here is that scott parker should be the dops head but <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. well you know 
it doesn't matter who they put in because it's who's in charge of them uh, at yes, this point. Absolutely. All dops are bastards. <laughs> uh, episode title. So you're, so you're saying, yeah, you're saying George Paris is not a rotten apple, and uh, <laughs> one bad apple. A ro- uh, one rotten apple spoils the bunch, as mm. they say. But no, it, it's not him. It's the people who are in charge above Paros and Whitney and the Department of Player Safety. Whoever they put in is going to be someone that continues in the same vein because they want the game to be violent. They want. Uh, they, they don't want long suspensions for anybody, especially not a player who scores goals on a playoff bound team like Tom Wilson. Do you draw a distinction between management and ownership there? I, I think you have to. Like, I think it's clear that um, Rangers ownership was not happy with what happened. And the management looked at it and went like, whoa, we are not going to put our names to this. You know, like there's there's a very clear difference there. There's a very clear line there. Now, mm-hmm. I never want to side with billionaire owners. <laughs> yeah. Let's be clear. But in this instance, like they were making a bold statement. But, you know, it, it's it's just it's very hockey culture, very NHL to not want to rock the boat, to not want to have uh, the NHL front office think any anything poor of you. <laughs> Because, you know, that may be your next job. All right. Well, uh, great. We'll we'll call it there then. Um, big thanks for coming on, Daniel. And uh, uh, I hope your kids have um, uh, a nice, wonderful sleep tonight. <laughs> I'm hoping I didn't keep them awake <laughs> at all. Because, yeah. like, uh, where I'm podcasting <laughs> yeah, from, like, my wall connects to their bedroom. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, I think we have I a may... policy to not keep uh, fa- fathers or just parents of young children uh, up after ten thirty on our show. <laughs> yeah, I. Well, I think we've only yeah. had fathers we've only on the show. Yeah, so how about you get some mothers on? Jeez, guys, we should get some mothers on. Jeez. We should get some mothers. On. <laughs> what kind of what kind of left wing podcast is this? It's true. It's not enough diversity. That's always. Uh, we... <laughs> I do actually think about that a lot. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean in fairness in fairness we are talking about hockey our, wow our, our wow i didn't say that wow. wow jackson are you saying that women can't enjoy and, and talk intelligently about hockey that is exact that is obviously exactly what i'm good, saying good thing I, you're good thing you're editing this podcast because we can enjoy intelligent conversations about hockey why would they come on this show well that's fair yeah exactly yes uh, yes no, um, yes uh what I was gonna know, what I was getting at there is, in fairness, it's hockey, which uh, means that by like even just having Vias uh, as um, one of the hosts of the show, it's already like the, the most diverse thing in hockey. <laughs> the, the bar is on yeah, the whole, yeah. Like, by getting me on the show, Jackson was able to secure the shirt grant from the from the government. So, <laughs> well, it's it's like uh, when Harrison and I started Pasitabulas. It's like just having a black person and a white person suddenly we were the most diverse Absolutely. hockey blogger <laughs> on the internet like you were the broadcast for like five years there yeah jeez <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah honestly just a big old content warning on everything uh with regard to to this episode yeah um it's it's everywhere it's it's all over everything because um I do just want to highlight a little story that is getting a little bit of play in its local market, but not. I'm not seeing a ton of people talking about it around the NHL, and I think that that is um, by design. It's um, 
it feels important to bring up in light of some of the stuff that's been in the news in Vancouver recently. So I'm just going to pull up the article here. It's by Rick Westhead. It was published on May 13th of this year uh, for TSN. And so this will just detail uh, a bit of the, uh, just so people know what's going on here. Um, It's titled, Former Blackhawks player alleges he was sexually assaulted by coach. An unnamed member, uh, sorry, an unnamed former Chicago Blackhawks player who was a member of the 2010 Stanley Cup winning team has filed a lawsuit accusing the Blackhawks of ignoring allegations that he and an unidentified teammate were sexually assaulted by a Blackhawks coach. The plaintiff who is referred to as John Doe in court documents alleges that former Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich was watching pornography and began to masturbate in front of him without his consent in May 2010. Sorry, I'm just I I might cut some of this out, I, but I want people to get the, the general gist of it. Um, the former Blackhawks player alleged that Aldrich, who no longer works for the National Hockey League franchise, also sent him inappropriate text messages and threatened him physically, financially, and emotionally if he did not engage in sexual activity. Uh, and I do just want to follow up with um, a couple of relevant quotes from a, an additional article in the Chicago Tribune by Phil Thompson that was published the following day. Uh, and the title of this is former Chicago Blackhawks play- players attorney expects 2010 teammate and a person in management to be called as witnesses in sexual assault lawsuit. So trying to find the relevant um, sections mm-hmm. here, the representative of Hawks management was not identified or referenced in the eight page document. He brought it up to the mental skills coach and to another person. Loggins told the Tribune, I don't want to give you that person's name now, but they'll be a witness because they'll be a witness in the case. But it's another person in management. He brought it up to staff and so did the witness, Loggins said. This is Loggins is their attorney. Um, And the witness told me when I asked him, did the Blackhawks know about it? And he said, oh, absolutely. He mentioned the two names and he said they were both fully aware of what's going on. So I had to had to go through two different articles to find what I thought were all the relevant details there. But um, I just wanted to bring this up because I mentioned in a previous episode where we, the one with uh, Georgia and Mal, where we talked about the Jake for Tannen stuff that there is a mounting uh, pile of evidence that sexual abuse within hockey is quite widespread, quite common. We know it happens off the ice, um, mm-hmm. but there's mounting evidence that, at all levels of hockey, it also happens in locker rooms. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I were to speculate purely based on what I hear from people who are closer to it. I would say that it's not super widespread at the NHL level because they kind of are, they generally tend to be pretty good of keeping those guys out of jobs. But at the college level, at the CHL level, these guys just get moved around. Um, and the, the person in question, I, I'm not going to bother to find the, the relevant piece from the article, but he, was mo- he ended up in a uh, uh, coaching for a college team and ended up uh, being uh, arrested and, and charged for, um, for, a, uh, for a similar offense in, uh, in I believe, the NCAA. Uh-huh. You know, and then this, this comes in the wake, too, of another story uh, of another Chicago area coach who coached at the college level who has been accused of doing similar things. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't really, I wish there was, I wish I had more to say about it other than to just basically say that I, I think it's really clear that this, this is an institutional problem that the NHL is uh, not 
in, really that interested in dealing with um, in, a, in a transparent or professional way. And that this should be unsurprising because I think you can very obviously tie um, their inability to keep their players safe on the ice mm -hmm. to their ability to keep their players safe off the ice. And they're not really able to do either. Yeah, I don't know if this um, assumption kind of tracks with you guys, but when you hear about these things in hockey, in the hockey world, you there's a bit of an assumption that once you hit the NHL, the men are, who are involved are much more mature at this point. Um, these are the best of the best, and that includes them being men of ethics or manners at the very least, and just more upstanding gentlemen kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, you hear about the stuff in the CHL, but at the NHL, it's clean. This is where the best guys are. But how much of that is just the fact that these teams have lawyers yeah, exactly. and yeah. are more worried about liability that they know this stuff happens and then they nip it in the bud, like with this guy who then, like, as you just described, ends up in the college system and ends up doing this to somebody again anyways. Yeah. And I mean, if you like, if you want to talk about cycles of abuse, I, I feel like when you, allow stuff like this to happen to i i want to uh, add by the way too that like it's it's worth noting that an increasingly large chunk of players in the nhl are 19 20 21 like still very young like old enough that they're responsible for their, for their actions but young enough that like a, a 38 year old uh, video coach like that is a position of power over them. Yeah. They are still mm -hmm. young and naive. And, and a lot of them like are, especially if they're coming out of the CHL, they haven't been to, they haven't really been to real school since they were like 15. These players, when they're, when they're very young and they're coming right into the league, they are vulnerable and they are like, this is why uh, organizations talk about veteran leadership. Because like, if you mm -hmm. remember when you were 19, 20, 21, like imagine just having nine hundred thousand dollars a year just fucking plopped in your lap at that age. Mm, like, mm, yeah. It really does matter. Like and that you're that you're you know, and it's it's the it's the same. We see it in the we see it in the NFL too. Like guys don't know how to spend their money. Like you you think that um they're they're just not like they're because they're not super educated about like how taxes work and stuff like that. Like you think about these guys as being like rich athletes and obviously. Some of them are, some of them do reach that mountaintop, but if you're not actually able to, you know, keep them safe or like help them, uh, transition into a life after hockey at any level, even players who made the NHL, mm -hmm. you're not necessarily setting them up for them to actually, uh, like lead any kind of a rich lifestyle once their hockey days are over, you know, uh, like we talked about Donald Brashear fairly recently yeah a great example like yeah it bums me out i i i wish i just hope that people keep coming forward with more stories because the mm -hmm. more stories there there are the more movement there is with this kind of stuff i think carcillo kind of got the ball rolling and i think now we're seeing um more and more people kind of come forward and talk about how the nhl does have a, a culture of tolerating abuse and violence and hazing and all of that. And it's, it's gotten a lot better than it used to be, but it hasn't happened at nearly uh, fast enough of a rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, thanks for uh, sharing that and posting that up online. I didn't see anybody else share it, 
initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it started to get traction. A lot of media people I knew were like, kind of parenthetically like, thanks for posting this because now I can retweet it. Right. Because it's not me saying it, so I don't have to worry about like legal. Sure. I, don't, yeah. I don't have to worry about it like coming back to me or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. They don't want to be the one to take the heat for it. Exactly. Yeah. First guy through the wall always gets it the hardest, right? But I don't like it doesn't matter because I you're untouchable. So yeah, I'm not like, <laughs> like the realm of hockey media. Like, yeah, you you're can't the get chosen me, one. <laughs> you can't get me. Well, you can't get me fired from my podcast, right? That's the whole. Yeah. that's the whole reason I believe started me. I have tried. <laughs> I really want someone to email like the show and just be like <laughs> Jackson. The worst case scenario is really just that like they don't let me like right at like daily hive anymore or something but even that i'm doing enough to get you fired from that (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's the thing is is there'll always be another one that'll pop up like the whole capital daily people like they have that's the next big thing happening now on that exactly i can i can get a sub stack so at some point if i want yeah yeah yeah. so whatever why doesn't dave Um, pratt have a sub stack you think that that he would right like that that sentence in my head makes sense, but it the Pratt stack. The Pratt stack. Whoa. <laughs> uh so to end on a slightly less of a bummer note, the NHL playoffs are beginning. I don't know if you guys are excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch some fun hockey that I don't really care about. Absolutely. The best kind. Perhaps. Every year I tell myself I'm gonna be like, all right, I'm gonna go pick a team. It's usually Colorado or something of the sort. And then That's I never, funny. I, then I just never get on board. Pick Carolina. Yeah, I've, already, I've already picked Carolina. Um, I feel like I was supposed to pick Carolina five years ago. So uh, anyways, I thought it might be uh, a little bit fun to just do some playoff predictions. I, uh, yeah, I got it. I've, I had some money riding on a parlay bet this morning. Uh, it did not work out for me, but I, what is a parlay bet versus just a bet? My parlay was I bet on the Penguins to win by two, uh, the Lightning to win by two, and the Knights to win by two. And hmm. I bet 10 bucks. And if I had gotten it, I would have won $220. Whoa. So so those are the kind of bets I'm going to How be did making. you make that bet, though? Like on what? On uh, just on BC Lotto uh, through sports action. Oh, wow. Is this yeah. new? Yeah. Yeah, it's fairly new. You got props from right? for doing it or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. um, but there, there, it, it was. It's fun. I, I'm going to continue doing that over the course of uh, the. Playoffs. I wouldn't mind getting into that because it's 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 such a small amount of money for such a huge payoff. Yeah, that yeah. like it's just like oh whatever. What I want- spend all our Patreon money on sports I- betting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Um, anyways, I thought it would be fun to do. Some, I'm going to um, entrust the both of you to do that as long as I get a cut. Uh, yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so why don't we um, why don't we do a little playoff prediction here? Just Our first playoff prediction should be Elliot has to figure out what the last playoff series is because I have no idea what it is. How about I read him out in YouTube talk, okay. and then I add my thing. Yeah, that's because we made Elliot do it a couple of times. Yeah, and that's made perfect. Do it. Yeah, we'll and make I, you do it. That's great. All right, NHL playoffs bracket 2017. Let's go. This 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 website. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 2021. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna start in the East. Uh, Toronto versus Montreal. Holy shit, that's happening! Wow. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Anyways, what do you two think? I'll say Toronto in six. I hate this so much, but I think Toronto takes it in five. I realize I'm giving you a ton of runway to win this one. <laughs> okay, Toronto horrible goaltending. Montreal. Toronto can all win a playoff series to win it to save its life. Yeah, are cursed. 
you know, mm, say I, I, I'm, it's either four or seven for me <laughs> for Toronto. So, <laughs> unfortunately, just because you guys took the good ones, but uh, I'm going to say Toronto in seven then. Okay. I do think that Toronto's shitty goaltending will get them in trouble in a couple games, but I do think that they'll. they'll I, yeah. And in a couple series. Yeah. As in, it'll be the end of them in they a couple could series. Lose to, they could lose to Edmonton, but they won't be losing. Oh, right. Because I think McDavid could light up their goaltending. Because uh-huh. their defending isn't great, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. will be the year that they make it past the first round for sure. Yeah, because yes. like everyone's counting on them to just like eat you in the first round, which means mm-hmm. that they're going to get past it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then like everyone else is also going to be able to be like, well, you just got past the first round in the bullshit Canadian division. So yeah, yeah, absolutely against Montreal, who we didn't think was going to make it. So yeah, all right. So Ooh, Montreal, I mean, I, I thought they were going to make it. I also yeah. thought they were going to make it, but I thought they were going to be better than they've been, and they have not been very yeah. good. Yeah, like this yeah. this Canadian division truly has turned out to be like Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, and a bunch of guys. Like that's <laughs> the that's the division pretty much. The the whole why hasn't the cup come to Canada? Like this is we deserve not to have the cup. Like, Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. The cup hasn't come to Canada because all the Canadian teams have been trash, other than like the Flames briefly and the Canucks briefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I remember this is such a tangent, but I saw Daryl Sutter on the screen and so I was like 13 and 14 record. I kept mm-hmm. telling my buddy Dustin, obviously Dustin Fox from the oh, uh, yeah, from of course. Yeah. episodes. Uh he was not happy with Sutter and like coming in, neither was I. Um, just because I thought they should get a better coach than that. But Sutter's tendency to like ruin my life in like a late season, just amazing record push with a hot goalie. And I was like, if Sutter can get marks from going, I thought, yeah, no I kidding. really thought they could be super scary, but yeah, a lot did not, didn't happen, did not happen. Yeah. It'll bounce back next year though. Sticking to the prairies of sorts, uh, Edmonton versus Winnipeg. I'll give this to Edmonton in six. I'll say Edmonton in seven. Uh, I looked at Micah's model actually has Winnipeg with a 52% chance to win this one. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to say it goes to seven because I think it's closer than people realize because I always trust Micah. Yeah. Trusting Mike is a good idea. What's Mike Smith like in a playoff series? I feel like last time he was in the playoffs, he was way younger. So he was actually good. (laughs) Yeah. I don't buy, I also don't buy the like, Playoff to it me, like matter. playoff numbers are are just like anybody who's yeah. really amazing in the playoffs. It's just a sampling thing. Like I don't right. get me wrong. I I I believe it's like ninety percent sampling. It's like ninety. Yeah, I, I just didn't know if Mike Smith kind of had a reputation or not. Yeah, nah, not to the best of my knowledge. Right, because obviously he's played in what Phoenix, Calgary, Edmonton. These are not. Yeah, exactly. I he's can't never played teams. for a good team. Yeah, he had the um, one season in Phoenix where. They went to the conference Western final, and then finals. I think they didn't make the playoffs the next year. Yeah, yeah. I am going to just because I I had overheard on the Canucks broadcast that Winnipeg was good in a game where we got rolled by them, but knowing that Blake Wheeler was has been on a huge roll, um, what's his fuck from Columbus is doing better there finally, and uh, Hellebuck has uh, has gone on a tear. Probably the best goalie in the NHL. Poof, really? Yeah, I'd so. say that. I'm I'm moving Winnipeg seven down to Winnipeg and six. Wow, nice. I'm gonna say that Winnipeg could pay six. off. That could pay off for you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Micah. Anytime Micah's uh, a fan of a team or or gives them the edge, that that gets my attention. But he had them very evenly matched, so I'm I'm confident that it will be a seven game series. We'll see. 
Mm, gotcha. All right. So now we are out of Canada, unless we have any more points to make there. Uh, Carolina versus Nashville. Nashville. That's who they're playing. I did not know they're in the playoffs. Yep. They made this it. This is why I was going to add in earlier. If I want to pick a team, <laughs> maybe Nashville. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know Minnesota was in too. Oh, okay, yeah. Anyways, anyways Carolina, Nashville. I'll say Carolina in six. There's a chance that they could get goalied here because UC Soros is playing unbelievably. Uh, and Nashville's going in really hot. So they've got like an LA Kings vibe to them. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is that like tons of teams have an LA Kings vibe to them going into the playoffs and then just sputter and never go anywhere. So, and I, I don't think Nashville is a particularly great team. And I think if any team is like designed to break through a stingy defense, it's the Carolina Hurricanes, like they can mm-hmm. beat you. Mm-hmm. They can beat you any way that that you want to play. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll t- I'll say I'll say Carolina in six. The uh, the Preds will give them a run for their money, but it won't be enough. I'm going Carolina in four because I forgot. I literally cannot come up with who on earth they were playing. Uh, <laughs> I can't even figure who you're playing. You don't deserve to play a game. Yeah, you can't. You can't give that team a couple of games. That's great. <laughs> I I also I will add. That remember that we know that some of the series are already taking place um and we're handicapping for that but uh it will be funny when this episode goes up and like all of our predictions are already wrong <laughs> yeah, all our predictions are mathematically first. impossible yeah. at the time this goes out we should probably just do a prediction for the second round right now <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, <laughs> no, no i'm kidding i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all right but uh for me uh, I need a reason, like Carolina. Okay, I just want to know Carolina's goaltending. What's that like? It's been solid. Who's their goalie? <laughs> no, I have no idea. They, ha- they literally have three goalies who can play. Three goalies lately, who can play. Lately, it's been Nedeljkovic. Mm. Um, but they also have, if I remember correctly, don't they also have? Um, they definitely have James Reimer. Okay. And I feel like James this- Reimer, famous Vancouver uh, city councilor. Let's take a look here. Um, Okay, Hurricanes roster. I'm just double checking here. I want to double check who their their goalies are. Yeah, so they have um their their goalies are the three goalies I thought they had: Petr Mrazek, Alex Nedeljkovic. Oh, still Mrazek. Okay. And uh, Alex Nedeljkovic and James Reimer. Um, and let me just see how they've. Um, I think one of them's hurt. Maybe so their worst performance from a goalie is James Reimer in 21 games has a 906. But Nedeljkovic and Mel- and Mrazek are both above 920. Mrazek has a 923, and Nedeljkovic has a 932. So, like, even with oh. as hot, even with as hot as uh, the Saros has been, it's like their goaltending's been just as hot. Okay, well, it's going to be Carolina for me. So, Elliot, you said four. Jackson, you said six. Yeah, I'll say five. Carolina okay. and five. I I honestly do think like their hockey is weird. And Saros is playing really well and momentum does exist. It's mm-hmm. totally possible for the Hurricanes to get goalied. If it happens, I think that's probably how it happens. I mentioned this on my other show, but um, yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. Elliot, get ready to hear that one a lot. <laughs> that's what I think. That's what I think. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> All right. For this one, we know for a fact this finished right before recording. Florida versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay won one game. So I think we can operate based off that. I'll take Tampa in six. 
Okay. I think Tampa's better, but I think it's going to be close and hopefully it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is the, this series is like be the most fun. Yeah, like I'm just, that. I'm just hoping for a good clean election. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I'll say I'll, because Tampa, this is one of the hardest ones to um, handicap for me. I will say Tampa in seven because they won this first game. So now I uh-huh. feel confident in saying they can, they can pull it off, but um, mm-hmm. Florida's real, real good too. Uh, it, it could really, it's a real toss up. I think good. I actually think Micah's model had them dead at 50, 50. Yeah. Uh, but I'll say Tampa because they won the first game. Yeah. I think, I think like Tampa still has more guys who can steal the game at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and just turn on the jets and they have the confidence that I could see Tampa get, I trust like, their goaltending more too than last year, or or no compared than, than Florida. Right. Yeah, Bobrovsky. I don't. Yeah, I and, don't know. I get weird. He, he hasn't even really been like like they've been platooning him and some other guy, and the other guy's been better. So really, yeah, not a great. Well, I yeah, it's crazy that the one was still that good. <laughs> uh, well, if you're gonna pay him that much, the two teams are gonna pay him that much. You might as well. Uh, I'm actually going to say Florida and seven um, at some point they do have to break out sure. um, past the first round. I assume that they haven't done that in a long no, time. I know they've made the playoffs time. a few times, but yeah, they, I don't think they've made it past the first round since like 2014. Yeah. Like I'm not going to buy, like I'm tempted to bias towards, you know, you pick the cup winner and pick the, pick the guy with the more players you can name, <laughs> which, which would be who, safe. But who is uh, this beardo on my TV? Tyler Grayback. Okay. The the old gray guy, the old bearded guy with the with the handlebar mustache. Who are you? What what are you watching right now? No, I you know I'm ahead of you. I'm watching Tyler Gravak get it. Oh right right right. right. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's next? Or yeah, sorry, yeah, I was going to say seven. Florida seven. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, all right. Pittsburgh versus New York. Jackson. Who won the first game? Islanders won. I will say Islanders in seven. That's good because I have Pittsburgh in seven. This is another coin flip. Well, I think it's New York in six, and that's because I think Sidney Crosby should either retire or did you guys see that article? I I saw I saw discourse people about it. People like yeah, I saw discourse about it. I didn't read it. It's <laughs> I'll let Justin get mad about that one. And that's that's who I saw talk about it. And from what I could gather from his thread, ah, Harmon's on TV. Always hey. Loves- oh, hey. It is funny to see people on TV and be like, hey, I know that guy. Um, yeah. which happens to be hey, that guy asked me what do i do with my life yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right it's sad, oh, sad. i bet i bet we could have uh sad on. Have sad uh, on. he's a nice guy um i also will say it's nice to see two brown guys on the same panel that's that doesn't happen very often yeah. it's true wait hold on one sec uh there's no there's no white connect broadcaster with a brown sounding name that i can make a joke of right oh <laughs> damn it jeff Jeff Patterson. Jeff Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeff Patterson. I'm, uh, That's very good. That's very good. Been uh, practicing Hindu my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Krishna. Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> I don't have any. I, I wish I. I'm. I'm also. This is making me so sad that I don't know like anything about like Eastern religions. <laughs> Otherwise, it's it's way better, you know, yeah, you know, right? This is all good. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. Nothing cancelable. Just very yeah. it's just it's fun in a silly way. Yes. Uh presentation at Hollywood Sweets. 
All right. <clears throat> Washington versus Boston. Uh, I'll take Washington in five. Oh, wow. Washington in five with that first I just want this to happen. I do not care if it's realistic. Okay, that's true. Aspirationally. Willing it to happen, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to will this to happen. I have to say Boston in seven. That's just what I think. I hope it's Washington, though. I'm going to say Washington in seven because, like, I don't know if Washington should be there, but I realize that they are ahead of them in the standing, so clearly they should be. And I have not been following anything for a year. I also just think like they want to get the season over with so they can go party mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like for real. We got to do a speed run. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Those Russian guys got to be so excited to get a vaccine. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. I think about them all the time. They just want to hang out. Absolutely. It's yeah, so yeah. sweet. It is. <laughs> they just want to go for beers together. They don't care about, uh, they don't care about hockey right now. They just want to play Mario Kart. Mood. Come on the show guys. Absolutely. All right. Elliot, who do you think is the winner between Colorado and St. Louis? Uh, St. Louis. <laughs> but I think Colorado will beat Martin St. Louis Blues in four. This is boring because like everyone's going to pick Colorado. So the only way to make it fun is to call a sweep. Colorado in five, which is literally what I was going to say before you called the sweep. The gentleman's sweep. <sighs> Colorado in six because of fucking, I don't know, game management or something forces a couple of games the other way. Um, All right. Last one is Vegas versus Minnesota. Surprise. Didn't know Minnesota was in. Minnesota's also up by one. Okay. I'm going to do my one bold pick of the, um, of the show and say wild in seven. God, I hope so. I think I've actually picked the favorite in every single series, (laughs) but I have nights in six. That's fine. You're playing the smart money. I'm being boring, but that's fine. That's fine. Why, if Minnesota wins, why would they win? If anybody knows anything about that team right now, besides the one Russian rookie, Kaprizov. Shot quality. Like, shot quality. Basically, like, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, but like, so Minnesota is built to allow a ton of, like, Minnesota is the kind of team where like basically the, the, the model for the golden Knights losing in the playoffs is to get a ton of volume, but no quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they, if they're going to get exploited by another team, it's going to be a team that plays a counterattack style. And from what I've seen of the wild, it seems like that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, de- they definitely did last year. So, mm-hmm. uh, and they're a lot better than they were last year. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Honestly, like, I don't actually think it's going to be the, like, I, I would have said if the wild hadn't won their first game, I would have said the Knights, but because mm-hmm. the wild already like have the statistical advantage of one game, it is now more likely that they win by <laughs> like statistically. So I'm going to go with them as my bold prediction. I'm just going to go with the, uh, with the Knights in Oh, this is tough. Like, I want to say five or seven. Like, I wish I could say six, but I can't. You know, fuck it. I'll say five. I'll say the sweep. They 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 do the reverse sweep. Sweep the remaining games. Or not Scott. reverse sweep, but they, they yeah, sweep the remaining games. Because yeah. uh, I don't think they could go seven. That's all the series, yeah. I think the Canucks will lose the last two games. 
No, no, they'll they'll win the last one. They'll win the last one. Canucks and Flames. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's three games left. The Flames are up left. by one of them. I predict that in the final game of the season, both teams will just lie down on the ice and be very tired. <laughs> <laughs> both teams will lie down on the ice and take a nap, and the game will be uh, canceled. Does Edler hit a hundred this year? No. Oh, you mean you mean goals age? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I didn't know. <laughs> that also, was, yeah, yeah. I had another one lined up there, but never mind. Because to me, wanna, that's the most interesting storyline. Do we want to call it? That's there? the most fucking interesting storyline well, for the Canucks. remaining. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, we do want to end it there. <laughs> what a sad. So thing. yeah. Uh, Thank you to Dan Wagner for being on. Yeah, da- big thanks to Daniel Wagner for joining us for what was easily the best portion of this episode. Um, Dan is uh, one of my favorite writers in the market and also one of my favorite guys, just a total real sweetie, nice man. Um, So big thanks to him for coming on. Really pointed out some of Jackson's misogyny to you today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he calls me, he calls me out all the time. Um, Call he, he calls me in, not out. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Before we uh, go, I do just want to give a quick plug to um, a a new podcast that is out there uh, in the net roots. Um, It's called Controlled Entries. It is with um, former guest on the show, Garrett Hole, and big longtime friend of the show, Reese Jessup, who you may remember as the man behind the infamous Sham Sharon potato drafting article from Canucks Army. Mm -hmm. Uh, Garrett and Reese are genuinely like, Honestly, probably the smartest people I know when it comes to hockey. They're the kind of people that I go to to um, basically like peer review my takes if I'm ever not <laughs> sure about something. They're the guys that I go to. It's a lot. It's been a lot of fun. I'm producing it, so you'll hear me as well. I'm definitely the third mic. I talk the least, but I play kind of a uh, Vias role <laughs> of uh, derailing and joking and. Um, uh, much like uh, much like this show, the person in the Vias role, I uh, parenthetically think is the uh, most entertaining. So <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be it's nice to know there's other people whose careers you can ruin. Absolutely, now. yeah. 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 I'm hoping yeah. Uh, it, it. I'm hoping honestly that uh, Reese gets another job very soon, so that the show doesn't go <laughs> so on for very long. Is over. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean I hope because uh, I'm hoping be because, good for he, Reese. because he deserves it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. He's one of the smartest guys that I know. Um, but yeah, I don't know how long the show is going to go on for, but uh, we're planning to record all through the summer. So Hell yeah. hopefully people enjoy it. Um, that's it for me for plugs. You can follow me on Twitter at McDonald. Come follow me on Twitter at Biasteran. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. Don't forget to follow the pod at Roxy Fever and subscribe to the Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Roxy Fever. This month, we will be erased, uh, real, eh, We will be releasing our long-awaited Steve Moore incident episode. So make sure to keep your ears open for that. And please direct your hate mail to at IDF on Twitter.